legends like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome back into the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. As always, I am joined by my DD, Harrison Fagan. Uh, I have been in the Lakers Lounge basically since last night. The game ended, walked into the Lakers Lounge, and just kept on drinking. I have been drinking for 13 hours straight. I'm kidding. Um, I have actually been really good about about that, Harrison. You'd be proud of me of that. But uh, look, today we are going to have the definitive Russell Westbrook conversation. After today, after you listen to this podcast, there is zero reason whatsoever to take in any analysis of this guy for the rest of the season. Doesn't even matter who's making it, who is giving you the analysis. Doesn't yeah, matter. After this pod, no one's talking about Russ ever yeah. again. Cease and desist if you try to talk about him. Like, we are having the only conversation, and then we're going to circle back at the end of the year. Yeah, whichever higher power it is that you pray to, they could walk down here and say, hey, let me talk to you about Russell Westbrook. And you would say, no, I listen to Anthony and Harrison. I listen to the Bible of Russell Westbrook podcasts. Exactly. And this one. Exactly. Russell Westbrook could come down and say, like, hey, Here's I'm ready to talk about letting Russ be Russ and what yeah. that means. And you're I, like, no, that's okay. Harrison yeah. and Anthony already explained it to me. I'm set. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be the that's going to be the premise of the show. And then also, I'm telling you guys right now, we have Harrison and I have stumbled onto this kind of goal mine of, uh, you know, us being idiots or getting hurt or you know just just stupid situations that we find ourselves in because we are both stupid human beings. Um, I have a doozy. Yeah, no, this I have is, a really, uh, really this good is one. the worst Harrison and Anthony's misfortune segment yet, at least for you personally, for me, it's not that bad, but for you, <laughs> it was pretty bad. So I, now that you've had this, I shudder to think of what is coming for me next week to fill this segment. <laughs> so you're going to want to stick around from that for that. Uh, so before we get to the Russell Westbrook thing, and before we get to uh story time, I'm kind of curious, Harrison, you and I are both playing. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now, and it's the no. I, it's just a really quick question because I'm I'm curious about this because I I know how I am as a player, and I'm curious how you are as a player with these kinds of games where decisions that you make can affect the game by the end of it. Are you the kind of player who will pause when you have to make a decision there and find out how this affects the outcome, or do you let it to fate? and make a decision and just see where it goes. Usually I just go with what my gut feels is mm -hmm. going to be the right choice. And honestly, like you would probably not recognize me when I'm playing these games. I am pretty ruthless to the point of, you know, in a lot of these <laughs> where it's like, I, I will literally do whatever I feel like is going to benefit my character the most, even if it means <laughs> like, you know, people's deaths, whatever. Like I'm pretty so, ruthless. As so a you gamer. are legitimately living vicariously through your... Through your yeah, it does avatar. make me worry about like if I did actually have power, the kinds of decisions I would make. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't, and so it's it's all good. Is that why poor Jacob has to recap all in Austin have to recap all these terrible Lakers losses? Like, no like, comment. I can see how this was going to go. I'm taking tonight off. Yeah, make like, sure you call that loss embarrassing. On the second night of a back to back, I don't feel like working this one. <laughs> no, I'm I'm. 
so I do pause it. I pause it and I find out how this is going to go. And the reason I do that is so that I can be as ruthless, ruthless as I, as I want to be and not affect the positive outcome of the game. Like that's, that's where I'm at. Like, that's where I, I just, I enjoy the notion of, oh, I can do this really messed up thing to this person that puts my character in a better spot and doesn't hurt me later on. Hell yeah. That's what I'm doing. How so do that, you think LeBron approaches these games? Like where he makes a really ruthless decision that will perhaps benefit his ball handling load, but <laughs> screw over some people outside of him. I think we know, right? Like I think Yeah, I think I think we may have some level of idea of like uh, LeBron is definitely a renegade while playing Mass Effect. You know what I mean? Like he <laughs> All I'm saying is that like, you know, if LeBron could see the option of, hey, what would what would it look like down the road if we traded away Russell Westbrook? I don't think he cares. I don't I don't, I don't think he I, it depends on his rings, you know, and like what is what is ultimately best to get his best video game ending. Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, I just I was kind of curious about that because I've been playing a lot of that and I know you've been playing a lot of it. And like it's something that I always find myself like, does that make me a bad gamer if I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm stopping and I'm finding no, out? No, there's no such thing as a bad gamer, in my opinion. Like you just you, you play how you You're enjoy. You're a gamer. Yeah. Yeah. You let Russ be Russ. But exactly. video game style. Let Harrison, let Anthony be Anthony. <laughs> let Ant be Ant. All right, so let's dive into this thing. So the way we are going to attack this conversation is, again, like we did last week, starting with expectations. I think that's how you, that's the, that's the foundation I think all these conversations have to be kind of built on. And, and from there, we're going to figure out, like, what is fair criticism of him? What is leaning too far into standing? for the guy, right? And, and and just kind of figure out where we sit on this spectrum of, of Russell Westbrook analysis. And then again, like I said earlier, like we said earlier, no need whatsoever to listen to Russell Westbrook analysis after this. You're done. You're set. Yeah, we're going to knock it all out of the park. No one else has to talk about Russ yeah, ever again good. after this. We're good. All right, so let's start with the expectations. Um, and And I'll let you start here, Harrison, because I think... For the most part, people knew my expectations once the Lakers traded for Russ. And and uh, <laughs> I can't help myself. I was very loud about my expectations once they traded for Russ. But I think in your case, you are you are a lot better about the 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 about being a poker player with with expectations like this. So I'm kind of curious. Oh, like, I'm better at being a poker player, says the guy who spent every Anthony Irwin show telling his guests that like, you know, when they traded for Russ, you know, there are days where I'm really excited about it. And there are mm -hmm. days where I'm not so excited about it. And I'm like, oh, it's all going to go wrong. But then there are days where I'm like, oh, here's how this could work. Yeah. And, but I'm the poker player that didn't let people know how I really felt. <laughs> Look, I let, I think, I, I think, you know, say what I, you I think will. Once Normally you say what you, you will commit more yeah. to a take than I do. In this one case, <laughs> I think that I was far more committed to which yeah. way I stood and yeah. letting people know. So where'd you stand? Where'd you I, stand? I was I was positive on the trade. Honestly, okay. I was you know much more positive than uh, like wishy washy Anthony Irwin over here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I my main kind of thought was I mean number one, it, it's been kind of funny that we're like forty games in and now people are just starting the conversation of like oh well. What were the Lakers maybe looking for when they did this move? It was probably to take the ball handling load off LeBron. And it's like, yeah, like 
no shit. Like that's obviously what they were trying to do. By yeah. you know, you just look at the names of the guys that they were connected to all offseason. Their priority, you know, everybody's like, oh, you need LeBron plus space. You need LeBron plus four shooters. And like, you know, in NBA 2K, in a vacuum, if you are just you know building a basketball team that is going to make LeBron and probably his team most effective for the most sustained period of time, then that is probably what you want to do. Like if you could turn injuries off, turn age off, turn wear mm-hmm. and tear off, all of that stuff. But this team very click- clearly wanted another playmaker and has for, you know, basically since LeBron got here, yeah. you know, they tried to do that his first year. They ended up, you know, I think they were able to kind of, because of how bad that first year went, they were able to kind of like, or he was able to kind of brainwash himself into like, oh, many people said I couldn't play point guard. Now I'm going to play play point guard. And, you know, like even though I'm doing the exact same things that I've always been doing, but now I'm a point guard, you know, <laughs> I'm listed as that yeah. in the starting lineup. And so I got to go out there and distribute and play around to like four shooters and whatever. And they did that and they won the title. But I think, you know, at the end, LeBron was like, damn, like that was kind of exhausting, you know, would be nice to have somebody to take the ball out of my hands occasionally. And so they make the Dennis Schroeder trade. And some of that was the quick turnaround. They felt like they were going to need more ball handling. But, you know, that's two out of three years where they're trying to take the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit with their offseason additions or with their young guys that they kept around. You know, the first year it was Brandon Ingram and Lonzo and Lance Stevenson and, you know, Rajon Rondo in a larger role and all of those guys. You know, the last year it was Dennis Schroeder most largely was supposed to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. And then LeBron, you know, kind of gets to midseason and he's like, well, this guy's not doing as as good as I can. So that mm-hmm. kind of sucks. I'm going to take the ball back now. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't, you know, I guess I, I got to put it. He's like the Thanos where he like walks out at the end credit scene. And he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. Like that's LeBron after Russ has like seven turnovers in a game or something. Or misses and, a wide open layup when you're down by three with two minutes. Yeah. Or Dennis goes into protocols for like the seventh time, you know, like <laughs> LeBron, he's just, he's like, oh, fine. I'll, you know, I am the point guard now. And so, but I bring all of this up when I'm talking about the Russ trade too. It was very clear to see what they wanted out of this deal. It was not to space the floor around LeBron. It was not to optimize just LeBron. It was to take the ball out of his hands, reduce the wear and tear on him, make it so that he does not have to do everything and set up every single shooter every single time. So from that perspective, like I understood it and I could kind of get behind it because he, you know, LeBron turns 37 today as we're Mm -hmm. recording this happy birthday, LeBron. And you know, you at 37 years old, you don't want him necessarily having to do everything. And so I understood it on that front and I was high on it from that front. And I also felt like, you know, what is the bit, what was the big issue, you know, the last couple of years is when LeBron goes off the floor, this team just dies. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that Russ could perfectly replicate what LeBron can do, obviously. But, you know, for five to 10 minutes a game, you know, 15 minutes a game, could he approximate it enough that the team does not completely fall apart when LeBron is on the bench. And that was kind of my hope. And so I I was pretty high on the move. You know, I thought that they were going to embrace small ball a little bit earlier and a little bit more frequently than they did. I thought they were going to be more of sort of the identity that they started to embrace in Houston, where they're like, we are all offense all the time. Who cares about defense? I probably shouldn't have guessed that in retrospect with Frank Vogel leading things that it might take them a little bit longer to kind of get there. And Mm -hmm. to their credit, they had amped up the defense and the offense was actually what was struggling. And then maybe they've kind of flipped that now. I'm not sure, but that's sort of where I was at it was like, just get a bunch of offensive firepower. Hopefully you can get enough stops. I kind of am with the idea of trying to get 48 minutes of solid offense versus, you know, 35 minutes of solid offense and 13 minutes of absolute flaming garbage that you're just trying to survive. So I, I guess the problem with, with those 
issues there is that like they're regular season issues. There's something that you don't really care about come postseason time. But they do matter just from so just from the perspective, uh, they do matter a little bit in the postseason, not as much, you're right. But they also, you know, you want to get LeBron to the postseason healthy at age 37. Yeah. You want to make it so that he can miss time if he needs to. And right now it's like it has actually become I know we're gonna get to that, but it has actually become the opposite where the team needs him to play like 40 minutes a night due to injuries and protocols and mm-hmm. guys underwhelming and all of this stuff. And you know, he is putting up these insane performances and they're asking, you know, arguably more of him than ever in some ways yeah it hasn't gone like i expected to my was was my point but yeah i i I was very high on the move in the beginning and that's why yeah so again like i go back to my very initial my very initial stance was like again why why do we care so much about taking the ball out of lebron's hands especially when this hypothetical player who can help with that burden is at some point going to have to share the court with LeBron. Like that was the issue that I always had with the Russ trade was like, okay, fine. You can find a player who can theoretically carry some of that burden and make the season a little easier on LeBron. But like you always still have to keep in mind, LeBron is always going to be the engine on a LeBron team. And you always have to, you have to oil up the engine. (laughs) You can't, you can't, you know, if you're going to say to yourself, all right, you, you want, It'd be like making a a Prius or or like some kind of uh like just just hear me out here hear me out, but like it'd be like making a a hybrid car, where the purpose of a hybrid car is that you limit the uh, energy output where the 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 car is not, is is at its most wasteful right, um and and if that's the if that's the case there then okay, like that's the LeBron minutes where he's sitting. Is that's when that's when it's basketball is the hardest for the Lakers. And that's what the Lakers are trying to fix there with that with this hybrid car. The problem is you you still need that engine to function and help the car when the regular engine is running. <laughs> and and I think in this case, it'd be like attaching a, a sail to a Prius or attaching a, a, a sail to like a giant truck and saying, all right, all you need is the wind at your back. And this car is gonna be super duper effective. But when the car is actually running with its engine, the sail doesn't come, come down and you're actually adding drag to the truck and making it have to work harder. I got there eventually. Okay. You know, I got you there eventually. Sort of stuck the landing. I was going to say, Anthony, this is the worst analogy you have ever made. But I get it. By the end of it, I yeah. sort of get it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Right. I I, I rambled a little. I bit. I thought that you were going to say like it was powered by the ozone layer or something like that. Like <laughs> no. it's a hybrid, but no, just it's like... like powered. You have to you have to you have to fuel it with trees. <laughs> you know, like it, it's a wood powered hybrid. Yeah, and you just have to like sit there and shovel coal into the car and that's how yeah. it's going to be. But no, like it's just just like and that's how I felt Russ was. Was this notion like of, of like those, it's one of those you know like things that they use to like knock down the forests or whatever, but it's a hybrid. So it's like energy. <laughs> it's energy efficient. And so like well, what's funny is I also thought of this uh some of this analogy. I I mostly just kind of jumped up in the air to pass and hoped I would land somewhere on this. But I kind of sort of thought of it initially playing Assassin's Creed where you notice every time you open up the sail, 
no matter what direction you're going, it could U-turn and you're still going to go suit like the same speed with the sail, which like is <laughs> counterintuitive because if you do a U-turn, you're not going to be going with the wind anymore. Right. And, and, and so I was thinking of like, you know, again, with, with, if you're going to try to build a car that way, if you're going to try to make a LeBron team, a hybrid team, then you need that sale to be able to come down and, and fit still with the team and still help the team while LeBron is the engine of this car. And, and I thought in this case, Russ is this sale who just refuses to be anything other than a sale, right? It, like he, refu he, he refuses to do anything other than be Russ. And, and here with, with what the Lakers need now, it's like they need somebody who can occasionally just take a step back and function alongside LeBron, you know, or, or, or in some cases, just chill. Like, like there are so many cases where I watch Russell Westbrook play and I'm just like, man, just, just woosah, man. Like you just chill, hang out. You have LeBron, you're good. What you know? do you think? What do you think Russ would say if you were to walk up to him and do the pregnant lady <laughs> advice, where it's like the labor advice, where like, okay, just Russ, breathe. just give it a. Because <sighs> <laughs> like you can see it every time he decides yeah. he's going to take over a game, he goes into like, I am going to be a hundred and fifty percent of Russell Westbrook. Like the it's Jordan Clarkson time, honestly, may apply more to Russ. Yes. Than it's Any Russell other Westbrook player time. in NBA history. And it's it, and it does, time. Yeah, it doesn't matter who is standing out there with him, right? This He's was always just tweeting his own name right at that <laughs> point. He's like Russell Westbrook. That's <laughs> like, in his head. The crowd is just constantly chanting Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> no, I doubt the, the crowd's constantly booing him in his head. Like that's how he yeah, plays. That's is that yeah. he's being well. That's constantly. the media. Like yeah. the the media. Like. When he's answering questions in these post-game scrums. Oh, he's so sick of us. It's, you would you would think that the media is sitting there booing him while he's answering. Yeah. In his <laughs> mind, they are. <laughs> you might be. Like, you have yourself muted. You yeah, might I have be. my Zoom muted. I'm just constantly. No, that would be really bad for the recording if I was doing that. <laughs> I, for some reason, I can't transcribe. Why? I'm booing constantly. <laughs> uh, but, like, but do you, so now that we arrived at the analogy, and that, so... My frustration with the trade itself was that I thought this was where we were going to wind up, was that, look, Russ refused to be anything but Russell Westbrook when he played with Kevin Durant. And then when he played with James Harden, he said after that season, I thought that sometimes we got too far away from Russell Westbrook ball, right? And that was kind of an alarming quote, given the fact that James Harden was one of the most efficient offensive players that the game has ever seen. And then he goes to, to Washington, and again, like the only time that he seemed to really fit there was when they handed the keys to him and made uh, Bradley Beal take kind of a lesser role. And, and even there, like it works with Bradley Beal because I think Beal is more of a natural second best player on a team. So yeah. that, was, that, that was kind of fine. But if, you, if the only way to get the most out of Russell Westbrook is to have a lesser second player alongside him, then that in and of itself is a ceiling that you are an inherent ceiling that you're putting on a team that he is on. And then you add to that, the fact that he is getting paid like a player who can fit with anybody. And that's, and that was, or the the, 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 that other players fit around him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so like, I, I just think with, with, cause like right now, the thing that we're running into, I think a lot is yeah. 
THT and Russ can't play together. And if the guys are combining for almost $50 million in combined salary out there, or almost $60 million in combined salary out there, and they can't play together, that's a serious problem that is going to cripple a team. And and I think and we'll get to we'll get we'll get to, you know, where we sit with expectations or where he has met expectations. But I my initial thought was I I just I don't see a scenario here where Russ is anything other than Russ. And I don't think that is the kind of player that you want to pair with LeBron because you don't want LeBron to be anything other than LeBron. You could you could make him different versions of LeBron and he is probably the most versatile player in the history of the sport. Maybe one of the most versatile athletes in the history of sports, right? Um, but you still got to get back to the things that make LeBron incredibly special. And it's him as the engine of a team, at least on the offensive end. And, and, and so I, I just think at the time of the trade, I was concerned that you were going to take away, even if you were trying, if there, it, I think their minds were kind of sort of in the right place. But I think they they just severely misexecuted the player that Russell Westbrook actually is, and the kind of you know he's he's what thirteen years into his career now, like you're not going to get somebody at that stage of his career having won an MVP cha- uh, an MVP trophy, like that's not somebody who's just all of a sudden going to say oh yeah sure I'll fit with power whatever we need that's not how that's going to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think that I just was more, I think, understanding of what they were going for. And maybe that that pushed me a little bit more towards like, oh, this is going to work because it's what they want to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you want, sometimes you just have a bad idea. And I'm not saying that this was, a, <laughs> I still think that there are ways that they can end up making this work ultimately, but it's clear that they're not nearly as close to it as they thought they would be from yeah. this being their plan A. Like they're yeah. going to have to go to a lot of, uh, like kind of subheads during uh, like as part of plan a. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they're further away from making it work than even give it like, even given the situation, right. Even given uh, the fact that like everybody, like that's the only thing from last night's game is that my expectations were low. And, and yet like you walk away from that frustrated because you felt like they could have won. I understand the situation is very much like the conversations we've had about David Fisdale. I understand that it's a very tough spot that they're in, but also, holy crap, man, you got to be better than what you've shown so far. And I think here with, with Russ, that's, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like, yeah, I understand it's a tough fit and all that, and, and it's not a perfect fit, but you still have to look like you're trying to make it work more than you have. Like you yeah, the, the thing that sort of sucks is that every time they take a step in the right direction, it feels like it's because of like circumstances outside of their control. Like mm. they're like, oh, Anthony Davis is hurt. Like we have to go small more. It's like, wait a second. That might have been <laughs> a good idea. Hold on, that might have been. Uh, stay with me here. But that might have been a decent idea while Anthony Davis was healthy to kind of right. fully lean into this like whole small ball identity. And, you know, like they've done it at times, but it just feels like it's in fits and starts. And then every time they get something right, either they get everyone back and they're like, okay, time to go back to the beginning of the season plan. Or, you know, more often something worse happens. And it's like, oh, they, you know, oh, cool. They've won seven out of their last 10 games. Now everyone has COVID. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just like it's just been that's why that's the main reason, I guess, that I feel like I can't fully get behind the idea of like this was never going to work. This was a yeah. bad idea. There's no way they can figure it out because I mean, is it a lot less likely that they figure it out now? Like I said last week, you know, yeah. yes, it's much, much less likely because they're starting to we're almost halfway through the season. It's like they still have, they have a lot of things left that they have to figure out and get on the same page to make all this work. But I still think that it's possible just because you almost feel like they can't be this unlucky the rest of the year. And like, at the very least at this point, they've probably reached herd immunity. <laughs> I can't believe that's a term we have to use. In I mean, the NBA has decided that we are just going to keep shoveling people at this thing until we've reached herd immunity among our players that we care about. And so I don't feel like that bad, just calling a spade a spade and saying yeah. that this is what they're going for. I think the NBA might be behind the entire nationwide herd, herd immunity. Like NBA games are super spreaders at this point. Like that's, that's, like I mean, that's it's like Adam at. Silver said, they're trying to lead the country back, Anthony, you know, <laughs> silver 2024. Yeah. Um, so I, all right. Given the expectations, we've talked about this already, I guess, but like, has he, has he exceeded the expectations? Like what level of whelmed are you? Are you overwhelmed, underwhelmed or just whelmed? I am underwhelmed because I, I certainly thought they would be better than this. I, I think, to be honest, you know, it's sort of like we said last week where, you know, well, we not have they. To How about him? How about him? Like, yeah, no, him been... individually. That's what I mean. Like, okay. he has been fine. But I think what I underestimated was the cost of adding him and how that would affect the rest of the team. Like, honestly, you know, Russ gets a lot of criticism and some of it warranted. And, you know, he obviously what's really going to haunt him is having his worst game of the season, maybe on Christmas Day when everyone yeah. was watching against the Nets and them kind of, you know, th him being like a minus 20 billion in a game that they lost by like three or something just like that. Layup you know, like, after layup after layup. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Like, that's the thing where, you know, if he had just had a bunch of defensive omissions during that game but had like a really Nobody big offensive is. game yeah. then everybody's talking about like oh man russ and lebron right there with the nets and they, they ended up losing and nobody's happy about it but you know you're not getting the narratives that you're getting because he just was murdering bunnies on national television you know it's just like <laughs> well, on are, christmas are you, wait are you saying bunnies in the same way kobe used to because that was really well done Oh, I thought that bunnies was just like a term that every it's Kobe. Was that a Kobe thing? I thought that. Well, he used to like, well, how are you using, are you saying bunnies in terms of like the rabbit or are you saying bunnies in terms of the layups? Cause he used well, to call both. Oh, so you did that on purpose. Yes. That was intentional. That was really well done. Okay. Thank you uh, for I derailing didn't, it. I didn't, um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, like it, it, it's very rare that you say something and make me like, just stop. That was crazy. But yeah, I think, I think, I think like this is where basically I arrive at too is he, he's he been good, has been, I would say in 90% of the season, it's yeah. just been, he's been really bad in some high profile games. And to be honest, that is somewhat concerning when you start, not that I'm like, Oh, can Russell Westbrook play under the bright lights of national tech? Like it's not that thing. It's just that he's had a number of these really bad games in games where the Lakers really needed to win. And where he has kind of, and it's not just been like he had a bad game where he had just had an off shooting night. It was like, I am going to try and dunk on everyone constantly. And I am missing dunks and layups. Open ones. While LeBron stands on the corner, shaking his head. Yeah. 
LeBron isn't helping him at all. <laughs> LeBron is an elite, like, I'm going to let everyone know how oh. I'm feeling about body language and then defend you in the post-game press conference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron, we were watching. We all saw the game. Le- we saw- LeBron, we saw you literally collapse after, you know, Russell Smith. He's like, you know, I always believe in Russ. And... <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, here is, and this is an unfortunate part of sports, it sucks that this has to be a part of the analysis here, but because of how much money he is making in a cap, I don't care. I'm all for all of these guys making as much money as they possibly can. I'm like that. I'm not anti-player in this regard here, but in a cap sport, in this regard, in, what what regard are you anti-player? All Actually, never mind. Ones. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, like all right. So let other. me get out the list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> according to Twitter, <laughs> according to Twitter, the the list is very very long, but. Uh, like in, in when you're playing in a capped league where you have a limited amount of resources here, and especially given the fact that the Lakers resources are limited, even within that context, right, compared to some of their competition, um, if you are playing in a capped sport and you have limited resources, it's not great that you are, if not part of the problem, not necessarily always part of the solution. And, and that's kind of where Russ is at, at at this stage of his career. Maybe basically since he signed that Supermax, you can make the argument that ever since he signed a deal worth $35 plus million, every single team he's ever going to be on after that is going to be, you know, like it's going to have a ceiling placed on it because there's only so much you can do around him. And the way that it's been bad is, I think, different than what I expected. So what's been surprising is the ways that it hasn't worked. Like, going into this, I thought that the issue was going to be, you know, okay, you know, maybe some of the lineups where he's alongside LeBron, where he's alongside AD, yeah, obviously that is going to be clunky, especially early on. And these guys aren't a perfect offensive fit together. They'll do enough to make it work defensively. and then, But the Lakers are going to have, you know, a lot of these staggered lineups where they're going to be really, really good and then they're going to have to figure it out with kind of their starting five and the big three especially when they're all on the floor together but the problem you know and I'm not the first person to point this out but it's been bad in a different way than I expected in that you know with LeBron on the court with him Russ actually has a positive net rating it's during the times when he's not sharing the court with LeBron the Lakers are getting outscored by almost eight points per 100 possessions during those minutes like they've been really bad when it is just Russ and you know I know Pete made this point has made this point a couple of times where it's like Russ has been good when they've asked him to be the third option it's just when they've Mm -hmm. asked him to be the second or the first option they've been in trouble and that's the exact kind of opposite of what I was expecting where he was going to thrive more in those situations and when it like the third option thing was going to be the issue because you know and again I know Houston is a bad team but you kind of saw this against Houston where it was like the ball was pinging around he was attacking mismatches other guys were attacking mismatches you're playing in all kinds of space like he's making secondary decisions off of LeBron as the center and all these things you know He's been really great at that stuff. He's been a Mm -hmm. pretty good cutter at times this year. He hasn't been setting picks as much as people were hoping, but he's been a good opportunistic cutter. He's helped the team at times with their rebounding and things like that. He's been, I mean, he hasn't been good defensively, but he hasn't been bad in every single game. He's been okay at some Mm -hmm. times, Uh, even if uh, probably on the season, he's been a slight negative in that regard. And he's made some really loud mistakes, including on Christmas. But, you know, he's been good at some of the role player things he shot well from the corners it's been mm-hmm. when they ask him to do the star things where he's really struggled and that's been kind of 
the biggest subversion of my expectations more so than anything. And probably why I am slightly underwhelmed in addition to just like the record and overall it not working as well as, you know, I think people and optimists like myself were thinking it would. Well, so like that gets back to the business side of basketball, right? If LeBron is sitting and if Anthony Davis is sitting, that means you're surrounding Russ with, uh, and by the way, if THT can't play next to Russ, which we have seen, that means you're surrounding him with all veteran minimum players because we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn so far this year. Mm -hmm. And Russ, at some point in his career, was explosive enough and 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 I thought maybe played a little smarter uh, because, like, one thing with, with Russ is that as he has lost some of his athleticism and he can't get to the basket the way that he could early on, he now starts taking more jumpers. And... Like, yeah, that's the natural evolution of, of an athletic player's game. The problem is, like, he's taking those jumpers and he hasn't really improved at those jumpers. Um, and, and so if you're surrounding Russ, a, especially a lesser version of, you know, the younger, more athletic Russ, that with all veteran minimum type players who are going to be flawed on one side of the court or, or the other. So if he's next to Malik Monk, the offense is going to look pretty good. But then, like, your defense is seriously going to struggle. Especially it, when AD is missing a large chunk of time. Right. And if you're going if, if to have uh, Russ out there with, with Dwight, then, okay, that some, of the, some aspects of the offense might look a little better because you have two guys who can run a pick and roll pretty well. And we saw that, by the way, in, in, in last night's game, I thought, where I thought uh, for some of those stretches, Russ and, and Dwight had a pretty good rhythm. Um, in the pick and roll, even though and for DJ, some reason, DJ's best stretches of the season came when, were, you know, LeBron was out and like yeah. he was on the floor with just Russ because it was yeah. like, not that obviously the team should not bench LeBron to optimize DeAndre Jordan, but you no. know, Russ has utility with these kind of lob catchers, these bigger guys. Yeah. Right. Just imagine if they had to meet Damian Jones. And then, so if they, if they, you know, or Anthony Davis uh, that remembered how to cut. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking at this. This is kind of a wild stat. I'm glad that you mentioned this. Uh, when the Lakers have uh, Anthony Davis on the court, so their 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 general their pace generally is is sitting at 101.16, right? And which is near the top of the league, I believe, right? Like they're pretty high up there in pace. Is it? I feel Last like Last time I checked, they were pretty high. But go, go ahead, make your point. I feel like I feel like so when when Anthony Davis is on the court, they play at a pace of 101.84. When LeBron is on the court, somebody who doesn't really like playing fast anyway, 100.94. When Russ is on the court, they play, they increase their pace to 103.21. And this is a team that said, like, we are going to get out. Which is run. higher than the already, they are number one in the league in pace. And that's higher than even their average. Yeah. And, and, and yet, like, when, when, you know, when AD is on the court, they're below their average and, or no, they're, they're slightly, they're slightly above their average. Russ is on the court. They really speed up. Like they're playing the way that they kind of sort of need to, like, that's been the thing that I've seen pointed out a lot is like his game profile is actually the one that you kind of sort of wanted, right? Like yeah, he just isn't making the shots that you want him to make. He's getting them. He's just not yeah. making them, which is, is good in the sense that like he's figured out kind of sort of how to play, 
the concern is that like he isn't getting rewarded for it because he isn't making the shots and that makes you wonder like is he going to go back to bad habits to old habits because well shit this isn't working either so i may as well go back to being russ being russ you know well um, and he's talking about specifically what he seems to have drawn from it which is i know everyone expects 21 15 and you know <laughs> and 10 but that's really and it's like russ no no one's asking for that no, no. one there's not a single person if <laughs> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like the people are the fans. I understand they're mad, and everybody's like, "Yes," and he's like, "Because I'm not getting triple doubles." And it's like, "Wait, no, that's not that's not somebody why people needs, are upset." Somebody needs to show Russell Westbrook the response when the Lakers tweet out that he just got another another triple double. Like, just show all him. time all time thread of responses <laughs> last night to the Lakers excitedly tweeting out another Mister Triple Double graphic. Yeah, he's like, "You're great." Awesome guys, this is fantastic. The I actually feel bad for the social media team because they know when they're sending out. They're... I don't feel that bad because I don't think that they actually check them. Like I would feel worse if they were like if there was someone whose job it was to scroll through <laughs> the replies, but I don't think that that's anyone's actual job. I think they're okay. No, I kind of want it to be Pete's job. <laughs> well, we'll work on that. I'll right. I'll, I'll I'll let it. Somebody really know needs we... to be keeping an eye on these mentions, guys. Official Lakers mentions reader. <laughs> But Based yeah, on I, how in his head he is, that, that might be THT's job. They may have like assigned him that job to save some money, and that is not going well. So I, I want to wrap up here on on um, a couple questions, and then we'll get to story time, which I promise is going to be a little bit more fun than than this has been. But what do you think? So the criticism that you see most often that you find yourself rolling your eyes to is what? The Lakers need Russ to step up. You know, like I've yeah. seen that one from a lot of national talking heads. It's like, oh, if you're really a big three, if this is a superstar, it's like, well, they're not, and he's not. So, yeah. you know, like I understand. Yes, like he is the highest he's paid, paid player like on one. the Lakers. Mm -hmm. You know, he is played like he's paid like a superstar, but your contract does not contradict reality. And the reality yeah. is, is that he's not a superstar anymore. He's just not that guy. And that's fine. The Lakers yeah. can still figure out ways to make this work, and they have at times. And that's the thing. But they can't make this version of the team work without Anthony Davis. Like, it's not just a matter of, oh, Russ needs to step up. Would it help if he shot a little bit more efficiently? Of course. But that's also not, he's not out there like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to miss this layup, like, just for fun. You know, that's mm -hmm. not something that he really controls, you know, to say, as crazy as that is to say about a shot he's taking, but all you can do is get the right shots and you got to hope that you put the work in and that they go in. And if they're not going in or you're in a cold slump for whatever reason, and he really does seem to be at the rim for, you know, he's missed just like the last couple games, just like layup after layup at times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought that you pointed out on Twitter and you're very typical hot takey way, but you actually kind of stumbled upon a good point that, mm -hmm. you know, he does not have, it's probably part of this is he does not have the burst and the lift that he once did so these shots are going to be just like an inch off in terms of where they're hitting the rim and it bounces out and yeah. you know if you don't have that and you're getting the shots and they're just that you want to get and they're not going in there's not a ton else you can do like I'm, I'm not like oh Russ needs to go out there and score 40 or step up and I, this is not me trying to make a straw man point of like many people are saying this this is like national talking yeah. heads have been saying stuff like this and i get it in my mentions all the time it's like well russ needs to step up they need more from russ and it's like i don't they need more but not the way that you're asking you know they don't need yeah. they don't need 21 15 and 10 or whatever russ's straw man critics are saying they need you know russ to remember what a defensive rotation is and yeah. you know well, in, in like, a way basically the criticism that it sounds like you are 
most annoyed by is the criticism that Russ thinks he's hearing. Yes. <laughs> which means that he's hearing it from somewhere and and yeah, that's I think where, he's like, like uh, you know I think Russ to whatever degree he consumes this stuff is like someone sends him like a first take clip of Stephen A criticizing him or something yeah. like that and they're like or oh like bro, a former can you player he said this you know I think I think it's I think it's mostly form, former players Stephen A and former players are the ones that like if he sees that criticism he's like well whatever you know, yeah, like, but, I, you know, Kendrick Perkins, a former teammate of his, you know, saying some of the stuff that he said, like that probably yeah, stings a little bit. Probably. Um, I'm with you. I think the the criticism that I find myself kind of annoyed at is uh, the, the like, he needs to, you know, this and this counting stat or, or whatever. Like, that's not what the Lakers need. The Lakers can generate enough counting stats. They have enough guys on their roster who can get those counting stats. They don't have to come from the superstars like if anything it makes them more dynamic if a defense if a defense doesn't know where those counting stats are going to come from and to some degree the one now this one i think is different in that there's a degree of fairness to it because obviously it would be better if russ turned the ball over less but they're like he's a high turnover player he's always been a high turnover player when the lakers are playing as fast as they are like he's just going to have more per game you know, turnovers and stuff like that. Like that's just going to happen. It's not yeah. something that it would it be better if he turned the ball over less. Sure. But I'm not counting on him all of it automatically, like morphing into a different player. I think that there are bigger issues than that. Even if that is an issue at times, to me, that's a little bit of a creativity tax. Even if like, you know, like you said, where he goes into these modes where, you know, like his game, he's like Russell Westbrook time. There yeah. could be, he could maybe ease up on that a tiny bit. And maybe you get a few less of those damaging turnovers. You know, I, I think for me, it's more of, you know, like maybe just never take a mid-range jumper again. But again, like that's probably also not going to change. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I, there's I, some of these things that are, they are what they are. How about on the other side of this thing where you see it as a defense of Russell Westbrook and you're saying like, I don't know if that's a point that we want to be making. So like, for example, I have one. Okay. You just talked about the turnover tax, right? Or the creativity yeah. tax and, and the turnovers there. Oh, and so I, I, I gave voice to one that bothers you. All right, this is good. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not that. I mean, there's always a creativity tax. I just think yeah. like for some players, the tax is higher and Russ is paying <laughs> super high taxes. Russ is the Elon Musk of the creativity tax. Yeah, I would, I would, I'm rooting for Russ to pay lower taxes is what I'm saying. <laughs> Republican Anthony shines through on the show again. Again, here I am. But so like, uh, no, I, so um, one thing that I get kind of annoyed by is that, that like, like from Lakers fans sometimes is like anytime Russ, like right now, people act as if like the only conversation about Russell Westbrook is critical, you know, and that like the only thing that we're hearing from anybody other than the people that we like hearing talk is that Russ sucks basically is is a version of like the analysis out there is like gosh Russ is terrible all these turnovers all these mislayups and it's like yeah I, I understand why that would get annoying because like hearing the truth sometimes is kind of tough a version of the truth albeit and like it sucks that he's missing those layups you that's know, the, the thing though is really, like, that, like that would be great if to, some more of those went in you know we have to we have to point out that he misses the layups and that he turns the ball over like the, the the stats sometimes do speak even if you can contextualize the stats and you can you can point to yeah maybe he doesn't have his legs under him 
quite yet in the way that he might normally in 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 a, in a more normal season. Remember the, the 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 league did have one less month of uh of off season this year. So on top of the COVID protocols, on top of playing for a new team, like it is in important context that we have to continue to point out. However, everybody is playing under those circumstances and Russ is turning over the ball more than everybody. <laughs> so, so like it's, it, it, while it's annoying to continue to hear about the, the turnovers and stuff like that, you do still have to like factor that into your analysis of like, no, he isn't the reason why the Lakers have been underwhelming this season. That reason is probably the injuries and probably COVID, right? Like that is the reason why this is why the Lakers sit where they are right now. Yeah. On top of like, because he was figuring things out when they had, when they still had yeah. AD, like they were starting to go on a little bit. I'm not saying they were like, Oh, you know, COVID stopped them from having this launch pad. They were about to right. climb up to the top seed, but they had clearly figured some things out and he looked a lot better when he was, when less was being asked of him. Yeah. And then like reason number two is probably the roster construction, right? Where like, Yes, everybody is dealing with injuries. And yes, the Lakers have been one of the teams. Like, I think they have played the second most hardship contract minutes in the league right now. I think it's like Orlando has played 500, which like I think is kind of a weighted number in, in Orlando's case because they started the season with replacement level players. So like I don't really know what they're doing there. But like with with the Lakers, they're in second um, at like 250 minutes. And that's a lot of you know, the Stanley Johnsons and the Jamario Joneses and the Shondi Browns. And, you know, you, you, yeah, you Stanley Johnson has become like their like seventh man. Yeah. On a hardship he's a, contract. Yeah. Well, like, he's, he's somebody who like, I would like to see in lineups in crunch time lineups. And yeah, and he's somebody who was on the South Bay Lakers earlier this year. <laughs> and so I, I, I think, um, you know, when I, when I see defenses of Russell Westbrook, I think instead of instead of constantly going back to the well of straw man arguments, like just try to be a little bit more honest about the situation here. That the two reasons why the Lakers sit where they are is because of injuries, COVID, and then injuries slash COVID and roster construction. I think that's the number two reason here is that like you can't you can't keep coming back to well if Trevor Ariza was healthy, he's a thirty six year old Trevor Ariza on a veteran minimum contract. That per, that back, loop, by the way, that is, yeah. he just got cleared from health and safety protocols. Yeah, and and look like the the Lakers are going to hopefully knock on wood start getting healthier and 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 we can have more contextualized analysis of this and 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 I would just say though like if you are defending Russell Westbrook, which most most teams don't, like if you are defending Russell Westbrook, like you you do have to you do have to be honest about how that's going. Unbelievable. Um, can you, I just completely lost my train of thought. I, I guess the one that the one that bothers me mo, or you know the one that bothers me most is I'm just guys, I'm begging you, not every single game has to be a referendum on the Russ trade. You know, yeah. we don't have to do this after every single both ways. Russell. Yeah, both ways, a hundred percent. We do not have to do this after like I like it was a kind of a funny bit at the beginning of the season. We are almost 40 games in now. We do not have to relitigate the trade every single time that yeah. the Lakers either lose or win or Russ has a good game or Russ has a bad game. Or like, I know that we all want to have like our season long arguments and dunk on people and whatever, but we do not have to do this every single game where we relitigate 
the trade. And like the thing that has been most obnoxious is like every single national conversation about the Lakers is like, oh, well, we got to go back to them letting Caruso go. And then it's like, I mean, maybe in like our season long retrospective, but you know, if you're talking about what is ailing them now, it's not, they don't have Alex Caruso, you know, I'm not saying he wouldn't help, but like, that's not the issue right now. And you know, the other one is like, it sort of is hits on the point that you were making of like, you know, the, the Russ trade and we can't blame Russ for this X, Y, and Z. We can't blame him for injuries. Like we can't, we can't blame Russ for the roster construction that his contract led to. But if we are doing like an overall analysis of where the team is at, like that is something that we have to acknowledge. It's not a criticism of Russ. It's just, yeah. a, you know, it's a contractual it's a situation that comes reality. with Russ. Yeah. yeah like that's just, it. And Again, that's not his fault. It's not. But no, it just... It, it, nobody forced him to sign that contract. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Well, no. Let's, let, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like, yes, you're right, Harrison. He earned that contract. He totally did. He's probably, by the way, especially in his prime, worth more than... Like, just in terms of sheer revenue. He's yeah. probably worth more than the cap number Through that he's getting. He absolutely was. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, he shouldn't have signed it or that he should take any kind of pay cut. However, like we see this with NFL quarterbacks all the time where they all like keep one upping each other. I want to be the highest paid quarterback. I want to be the highest paid quarterback. And then all of a sudden Matt Ryan is the highest paid quarterback in the league and Atlanta immediately goes through like a five-year skid because Matt Ryan can't be the highest paid player in the league. Like that's not something Yeah, Russ that... really should have thought about the Lakers luxury tax payments when he signed that contract. <laughs> no, but no, but like look both these, both these, both these things can be true at the same time. Players should go out and get as much as they can for themselves. That does, however, but Anthony Im- should be allowed to blast them for. No, I'm not blasting him. Come on, man! Like this, like there can be a middle ground on this too. Players should go out and get the most that they can get for themselves. They also have to recognize, though, if you do that, you are going to impact your winning. Like Dame Lillard is, has been whining constantly about man the situation i'm in the situation i'm in look how loyal i am i'm so loyal yeah i'm I'm so loyal i'm so loyal i'm so loyal meanwhile i want to make 50 million dollars in my next contract per year like what (laughs) and i think that i think that was leaked by you can't put a price on that level of loyalty okay (laughs) for that level of loyalty 50 million is a bargain he's gonna try yeah (laughs) (laughs) his agent his agent certainly is (laughs) And, and like that's so like, yeah, I, 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 I agree with, you know, part of the point here is that like, yeah, he should be able to sign that contract and win too. But like, that's the case with everybody. It'd be, it'd be great if, uh, you know, I could, you, I could make like triple my, my, uh, income every year, uh, <laughs> with, with box and then still have a great budget to work with and put a great podcast team around me. That'd be super great, but like it's a it's a limited resource. Money is like that that. Did that you type take a pay of... cut to help SSR win? I did actually. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think like while while it is somewhat unfair to hold Russ to a higher standard because of the amount of money that he makes and the situation that puts the team around him, you do still have to point out that because of the amount of money that he makes every year, that does make it tougher to put a team around him. 
I guess my point is that we don't have to relitigate that after yeah. every single game. I feel like it's, it's after every game and it is exhausting. We do not start... have to talk about roster construction and all yeah. of that stuff after every single lot. It's like the Lakers did not lose in Memphis last night just because of their roster construction. They <laughs> lost because they are an old team that was on yeah. the second night of a back-to-back that blew a lead and missed some shots down the stretch and blew a bunch of chances that they yeah. had to win that game. Like they, they didn't lose because of Russ's contract last night, you know, like, or because no. they didn't trade for buddy healed or whatever it's just yeah. like you know sometimes a loss is just a loss and it's not indicative of any like larger trend and we don't have to have a blood feud every can single we, time they lose or win can we do this if you're listening to the show right now i need you to do this to, for me from now on and i'll lead the way on this every time the lakers win and silver Schooner roll sends out a recap i need you to quote that recap or reply to the recap with either hashtag won the trade or hashtag <laughs> lost the trade and and, and that'll be the referendum Harrison doesn't want to see anymore. We should just, we should just, that should be the headline of the tweets for the recap. For, just from like now on. the Lakers next win. I'm just going to write won the trade on uh as, as the only tweet. No, you know what you need to do is, is it, this is extremely inside baseball, but on the, at the end of the hyperlink, it should like either one dash the dash trade or whatever. All right, let's, uh, let's get to story time. We're at 53 minutes Or just minutes like in. if they beat the Blazers tomorrow, we just like, we just headline it like who needs buddy healed <laughs> from now on yeah that's it it's gonna be it's gonna be like, Al, the next one alex caruso most overrated role player of all time <laughs> it's a lot of people in my mentions would would agree um all right let's let's jump into story time who and needs people... kcp <laughs> kcp's like who's who i do <laughs> Oh man. Uh, all right. So, so we'll jump into a quick story time here. And this is again, I, I, I try not to oversell these things, but this is one of the funnier developments in the, in, in the entirety of my career. I honestly wish that you had not told me before yeah, me we too. went on air. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. So basically, uh, Harrison is currently sitting at like 60,000 Twitter followers. And I know like, if Which you guys you can are listening, tell Anthony's not bitter about because he knows it off the top of his head. We, we talked about it before we went on the show. <laughs> Before we started recording. Um, and yes, I'm a little bitter. But so like, <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, and I know that like, if you're listening right now and, you, and we start a story with Twitter numbers, uh, you're immediately going to turn it off and I don't blame you. But I'm telling you, this is worth it to stick around for. No, the payoff is worth it. Yeah. So I've, I'm, I've been sitting at like 16,000. Uh, I think the highest I ever got was like 16,800 or so. I don't think I ever got into seven or no. 17,800 was like the highest I ever got. Something around there. I don't, I don't even know necessarily what I'm at right now. Um, I'll look it up. So we are at 17,6. All right. So so the highest I ever got was about 17,8. Uh, the lowest I ever got was down to like, I dipped into the 1600s um, when when uh, people got super angry at me for criticizing Rob Palenka back in the offseason. Um and I'm, I've been sitting, by the way, at like 17 for years, plural. I've just been sitting here in Harrison's account. And, he, and, and Harrison, you're good at Twitter, so I understood it. I just kind of told myself, like, maybe I just suck at this. It's possible. It's probably, probable even that I, I mean, just that, suck at that this. That was always my explanation. <laughs> Occam's Razor would say, like, yes, <laughs> I just suck. And, but it wasn't and, just that we we quickly found out. It's a factor, but not the factor. Much like Russell Westbrook, <laughs> it's a factor, not the factor. So, 
So I had somebody tell me randomly the other day or, or like last week or so, somebody says to me, a, a Twitter follower who I wish I remembered you because I would follow you back if I remembered. But somebody goes, hey, is there a reason why all of your content gets marked as potentially explicit? And I, and I, I was like, that's kind of weird, but I'm just going to move on. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that's the case. I hope it's not the case. And, and, and so I was just like kind of sitting there and, and I was bored one night. And I remembered that at, and I was like, well, I wonder if that's like a setting, if that's not, cause I did go into some of what, you know, a couple of the other accounts that I, that I run and I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I guess I could call them burners. I think people know which accounts I'm associated with, but okay. But so like, I, I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, that is actually the case that all of my, every video and picture that I was sending out was getting marked as potentially explicit. And I was like, well, I, I was going to reach out to Twitter directly. Um, and I was going to say, hey, what is going on here? I have never sent out anything potentially explicit other than Someone some from like. Someone Lakers Reddit runs these settings at Twitter. <laughs> I was like, and like, and Harrison, like you and I have had conversations about this, like kind of sort of over the years where I say like, look, I'm not trying to sound conspiratorial or whatever. I'm not trying to sound like Alex Jones, but it's kind of weird that I haven't moved ever in, in like the last three years. No, it's because one. of all your takes about taxes. You got shadow banned <laughs> like many conservatives on Twitter. I've been canceled. So I, I, I go and I finally, uh, the other night, and this was two nights ago, I had to go back and find the night that I actually did this because it's been astonishing what has happened since. So I go back and I find out that actually, if you do go into your settings, there is a setting that says, would you like to mark your content <laughs> as explicit, as potentially explicit or, or graphic is what is, was the other word for it, explicit or graphic content. And I was like, I don't know when this would have been checked, but it was, it was checked. So, so I unmarked it, I unchecked it and, and I wanted to see like, all right, what's going to happen like now? Is this, is this the, 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 the funny outcome here is that it doesn't impact anything. And I just do actually suck at Twitter. That would have been the funniest by far. That would have been the best, arguably the best. That would have like, been the what best. Outcome. Lost followers. There were people that thought <laughs> yeah. they were following an adult model this whole time. <laughs> well, that's like, that's the actual funniest, I think, aspect of this entire story is that somewhere out there. Some person who has never seen any of my tweets ever. Maybe a tweet goes viral. It's a video or something like that. Somebody who has never seen my tweets goes on there and sees, oh, wow, this thing is going viral and it's marked it as potentially graphic. Man, this got, this has got to be great stuff. And then it's just like a Russell Westbrook for John Waltrade. <laughs> the, people, the people who tuned in for the pressure cooker were very disappointed so in the comments. Pissed. Wait, it's live video? Oh, like, what let's kind of do show it. is this? <laughs> What's funny is that the pressure cooker, like the, the icon for the pressure cooker was actually marked as potentially explicit. I had to unpin the pressure cooker tweet because I looked on there and it was actually marked as potentially graphic. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so anyway, I marked the, I, I, I changed the setting the other night and I was sitting at, at that time, 17, 520 ish, five, maybe even 420 ish. 17, 420 ish was where I was kind of sort of at, um, two nights ago. Uh, and I am currently sitting right now at 17, 631. So since I have affected, uh, since I went and, and, and changed the setting, I have gained. Since you ended two... your adult modeling career. 
<laughs> which all I'm saying is it's not exactly shocking that I would not do very well as an adult model. That's all I'm saying. And, and it turns out that, yeah, my career has now taken an upturn since I have ditched the graphic content. That's my story. Yeah, people thought they were turning, tuning in for like only fans than Erwin. And uh... <laughs> it's just, it's just such a stupid thing, social media. It's so dumb. Yeah. I wish I was just bad at it. I'm, I mean, I still am probably not very good at it. I mean, but you're, I wish you're I was... bad at it in the fact that you just didn't check that for like years, <laughs> apparently. So like that's, I mean, I would define that as bad. Why would that be a setting? I have no idea. I remember seeing that setting on mine too. And I think I like, I think I got like an alert that's like, do this is a setting that's now available. But yeah, I certainly never checked it. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think I did either. I mean, I don't think like my, my bucket reminders, you know, sometimes they are like flames, but I would not call them explicit, you know? <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers load or Lo Lakers lounge. Uh, speaking of Lakers lowdown, I might be a quick one tonight. And then we have an episode of the hook and well, then we are celebrating. You got to do a Lakers lowdown on like Trevor Ariza being back and how this fix it. Now we can judge the team again. Now that, that Trevor Ariza is back. That's, You're good now. You know. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's going to be uh, on the docket. And then an episode with Aaron of the hook, uh, if he is interested in doing it, for no other reason, it might be a super short episode because I just want the story time of him being at the Darren Collison courtside game. Yeah, no, I mean, you got the fact that that has not been a story time yet. I was going back through our archives to like look yeah. and see if I could link to it in our post mm -hmm. on him signing. And like, I was like, wait a second, they never did that one. That's unbelievable. Well, he, it never looked like he was coming. Well, still, that's, you know, every picture of Darren Collison up until this week in most recent <laughs> been that, images thing, that had Aaron in the background in a hood <laughs> drinking Hennessy or something like, and so it's just, you know, we, we need to get that on the show yeah. and on the, on the silver screen and roll rat. Like, is Darren Collison a nice guy to like hang out with at a basketball game? Was it mm -hmm. fun? You know, is yeah. he going to let Aaron sit on the bench with him now? Like how far down the depth chart is Aaron as a replacement player? If things <laughs> continue going the way that they go, you know, I have, I have all kinds of questions. Yeah. So that's going to be that episode. And then we are going to start enjoying the new year. So did Aaron uh, screw up the original Darren Collison recruitment pitch? That's a narrative we got to get going. Yeah. You got to ask it. Like what did he offend Darren Collison to the yeah. point where he's like, I'm just going to stay retired. I don't like the NBA anymore. Questions that need answers. Yeah. Is, Coming up next the... on undisputed. <laughs> so we'll talk to is you guys actually responsible for the bubble title because Darren Collison not signing let playoff Rondo activate. I mean, it's a he fair knew question. playoff Rondo was in there, and so he scared Collison off. I think that there we go. Well, we figured it out. Well, look, the the fact that Collison still hasn't made a three pointer yet for the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you guys later. <laughs>